found a resting place, not in device nor creed. I trust the ever-living one, his wounds for me shall plead. I need no Scripture now.
Whom, ha- whom do you not see him yet? Whom have you not seen? Whom have you not seen you love, though now rejoicing with inexpressible and full of glory? Receiving the end of your faith and the salvation of your soul. Good morning. We know you. It's so cool to know someone. Um, and thankfully, when it comes to Jesus, he's not grouchy or irritable. He's only good. I hope that each one of you knows someone so well that you feel at rest, that you feel at home, and that you feel satisfied and filled up being with them. Jesus is all of those things. He says, Come unto me, and I'll give you rest. He anoints our head till our cup overflows. And he, in so many ways, says that he is our shelter, our home, our dwelling place. That's quite a relationship that that entails. Um, So I've been thinking about the I know you moment when Jesus comes back to get us. Isaiah 52, 6 says, therefore my people shall know my name. Therefore in that day I am the one who is speaking. Here I am. And in Isaiah 25, verse 9, it says, and it will be said in that day, behold, this is our God whom we have waited for that he would save us. That's knowing This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's rejoice and be glad in his salvation. But right now, we don't see him. We can still know him, but we don't see him. Let's read again our scripture reading. 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. All because of Jesus, someone we can know. Lee Venden constantly points to the three-legged stool. I don't know if you've listened to his sermons, but... The three-legged stool is a symbol of relationship with God, prayer for the purpose of getting to know God, Bible study for the purpose of getting to know him, and then sharing with other people for the purpose of them getting to know him. So I'm going to share some stories about knowing and those three legs of the stool. Jim and I met um, briefly 
on Sabbath, December 12th, 1998. And because it was close to Christmas, um, the church we met in was kind of spending the day doing activities together. So we continued throughout the whole day to come in contact with each other. He was actually in Eau Claire substitute teaching for Felicia Wyant, who was on maternity leave with her first child. But in that brief day, um, I, as a young woman who was looking to find a spouse, a godly spouse, um, I kind of had a list, you know, qualifications that I wanted. And in that day, I learned five things about Jim that were on my list. I learned that he was a teacher and liked children, and they liked him, because I wanted to have children. I learned that he had a sense of humor. I learned that he could laugh at himself. Um, I learned that he was a volunteer firefighter, so he liked to help people. I learned that he had a love for people. Sorry that came from Jesus and allowed him to be able to rebuke someone without causing them to get all surly from it. He rebuked me about my speeding on that first day I met him because he'd cleaned other people up off highways and I could take that. Uh, And five, he was easy to talk to. It's really good to have somebody that's easy um, in rapport to be able to talk to So because of those five things, I went home and I told my mom, I met a guy. And there was more to that, but basically I called my aunt who lived in Eau Claire and I said, would you please see if Jim would be willing to write to me and give him my address? And she did that and he wrote to me that same week. Um, I couldn't see him. You know, I'd seen him once, but I couldn't see him, just like our verse is talking about. But I started to get to know more about him as we were writing to each other. And apparently, he liked what he was learning about me, and so we kept writing. And that's just like Bible study. You're learning about God through the written word. You're getting to have this relationship. Well, after a couple of months, Jim worked up the courage to call me. And I hear he hung up the phone a couple times before he actually made the call. (laughs) I don't know what that's like since I'm not a guy. (laughs) Um, That very first phone call, I think we talked for a a little over an hour. And we talked about all kinds of stuff. So that by the time we got off the phone, my parents were in the living room kind of hearing my half of the conversation. And uh, I went into the living room. And they were laughing. And they said, you're talking about dynamite and how it works? Jim and I had just gotten, you know, you were just, it was easy to talk to him. And so we were just talking about anything. But they just kind of laughed. You know, this is a love interest and you're talking about dynamite. But that's the way God is. You can go to Jesus and talk to him about anything. Every detail of your life matters to him. Um, Probably all of us have heard how prayer is likened to phone calls. You can pick up your phone and call him any time of the day. Talk to him as long as you want about anything. But you have to listen, too. 
That's the way conversations go. Well, Jim's and my phone conversations increased because we liked each other. And um, our longest one was six hours, and this was before unlimited text and call. This was before cell phone (laughs) usage was widespread. And so he had some pretty high phone bills. But even though we were long distance away from each other physically, we were getting to know each other more and more, and we were getting closer by talking. Then we started spending time with each other's families, and we were learning more about each other through our families, and our families were learning more about our love interest through talking with us and talking with them. My sister, who's two years younger than me, was not happy about Jim. Um, And I think that part of it was I was 20 and he was in his 30s, so she may have just, whoa, the shock of it. And, And then the other thing was she was missing sister time because I was putting so much time into this relationship that I really enjoyed and was hoping would go further. But one weekend when Jim came to visit... We all piled in the van. We were headed to church. Mom and mom or dad, whoever was driving, dropped us all off under the carport. And Jim got out first, and he extended his hand to my sister to help her out of the van. And it was as easy as that for Annie. Her heart melted, and she thought, this is a good guy. He's a gentleman. When you share what you know about Jesus with someone else, they may be like my sister and have some barrier against Jesus. You don't know what's happened to them in their life. You don't know what lies they've come to believe. But your sharing and bringing Jesus into their life allows the Holy Spirit to work on their heart. And he can break down those barriers and then they can start to have an interest in Jesus and have a relationship with him for themselves. Okay, I'm just going to bring the box up here. Um, Inevitably, all the writing, all the phone calls, all the sharing time with each other's families led to a question. I had gone to Minneapolis where Jim worked. He was going to stay with the pastor for the weekend and I would stay in his apartment. So Friday afternoon when he got out of school, we spent the time making Sabbath lunch together and cleaning that up. We spent the time making Friday night supper, eating that and cleaning that up. And then we were gonna go sit in the living room and talk and I had to go to the bathroom first. So when I came out of the bathroom, Jim was sitting on the floor in front of the futon because that's all he had at the time. And he was sitting on, in front of the futon because that futon had such slick, shiny fabric that you would inevitably wind up on the floor anyway, so we just skipped that and you sit on the floor. And um, when I came out, I looked at his face, and it looked different. And deep inside me, I thought, something's up. And I went over, and I sat on the floor next to him, and because we, were, we knew each other and we were... Uh, you know, doing things like holding hands and kissing, I put my arm on his chest when I sat down, and his heart was doing acrobatics. It was like a circus in there. And I thought, he's going to propose. 
And he turned to me and he said, I have a question to ask you, and I think you know what it is. (laughs) Will you marry me? Sometime in your life, Jesus is going to propose. It may be on a beach like Peter when he says, do you love me? It may be at bedtime like Samuel when he calls your name when you're trying to go to sleep. It may be in a garden like Adam and Eve when he says, where are you? Proposals look different, but they're all asking the same thing. Do you love me? Will you commit your life to me? Do you want to go through the rest of life together? I said yes, and the wedding day came, and the same pastor that Jim had stayed with on the weekends that I would go up to visit officiated, and his message was actually a really good one that has stuck with me for 22 years. It was expect the unexpected, and that is really good advice. Our lives have not followed any path that Jim and I thought they were going to. Um, So then we got to the uh, place, the time of the vows, and Jerry said, repeat after me, I, Amy, Joe, Winsack, do take. So I repeated after him, and he got to Jim, and he said, Jerry said, I, James, Alan, Mullenbeck, a wife is to take a husband's name. She has to know what his name is, and the husband needs to know what his name is. And thankfully, Jim knew what his name was. And he corrected him, and he said, I, Alan, James, Mullenbeck. Isaiah 52, 6, therefore my people will know my name. Therefore in that day they will know that it is I who speak. Here I am. We must know his name because we're his bride and we're called by his name. So, newlyweds and newlywed love. There is a good reason that we're rebuked in the Bible for leaving our first love. First love is good. And there's no reason that we shouldn't, as couples and as brides of Christ, keep that first love our whole life. Commit to doing what you can to keep that. So Jim and I had been married a little bit over a year, and he had to go to Michigan for a small school workshop for for school, and I had to stay home and work. And the days were okay because I was working, but the evenings were so long, and I missed him so bad, and I just wanted him to come home. And he must have felt the same way because he wound up getting home earlier than he was expected. And I was in our apartment. We had a second-story apartment in a big lumber baron's mansion. It was so cool. It was divided up into like 10 apartments. And um, I was looking out the window because I just had a feeling like he should come. And I saw his car drive up, and I was so excited And I ran out of the apartment, and he was coming out of his car, and we met on the landing, and I just hugged him and hugged him. And I said, I knew you would come. I knew you'd come. 
Behold, this is our God for whom we have waited that he might save us. This is the Lord for whom we have waited. Let's rejoice and be glad in his salvation. Imagine that day meeting Jesus and hugging him and hugging your loved ones and saying, I knew you'd come. I knew you would come because I know you. Our closing song will be 183.